All right, so let me preach this morning. Is that all right? So we're going to uh, do part two of our sermon series, My Grown-Up Christmas List. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to minister your word. Open up our hearts so that we may hear and understand and discern the times in which we live in. Let your word go forth in power and in boldness. And let everything, that, let everything that's said bring you the glory. And we will not fail to praise you for this. And everyone shouted a great big amen. Like I said a few moments ago, I started a sermon series last week called My Grown-Up Christmas List. And I want to continue that series today. My plan is, is to do part three next week. And then we'll end in December the 19th with part four. So this is a four-part sermon series. If you hadn't had a chance to listen to part one, please go back and listen to part one on our website or the Facebook, and you can listen to part one. Uh, this sermon series was birthed out of a song called My Grown-Up Christmas List. I'm sure that all of you have heard that song. In fact, I have heard that song multiple times. But a few weeks ago, I was listening to this song and I didn't realize how powerful the words were to this song. I stopped, I pondered, I listened, and I reflected on the words of that song. I want to read to you the words of the first verse in the course of that song called My Grown-Up Christmas List. Do you remember me? I sat up on your knee. I wrote to you with childhood fantasies. Well, I'm grown up now and still need help somehow. I'm not a child, but my heart still can dream. So here's my lifelong wish, my grown-up Christmas list. Not for myself, but for a world in need. The course goes, no more lives torn apart that wars would never start. And time would heal all hearts. And everyone would have a friend and right would always win, and love would never end. This is my grown-up Christmas list. How many's heard that song before? I think we've all heard that song before. And last week, we had Mandy and Brittany sing that song, did a wonderful job singing that song. But I want to reflect upon those words this morning, my grown-up Christmas list. Now, if you listen to the first verse, especially, and you listen to the chorus, you get the idea of what this song is illustrating. This song is illustrating someone who is an adult who was reflecting when they were a child. They sat up on Santa's knee and they had a list. It was childhood fantasies. But now this person is grown and now they have a different list. You see, my friends, I think all of us are there. I think our list should change as we get older. As we progress and get older, our list should change. It's a wonderful experience at Christmas time to see your children or your nieces or your nephews or little children in general open gifts. And some of the disheartening things are is you buy them an expensive gift and they're more intrigued about the box than they are the gift. But no matter if they're intrigued by the box or the gift, it's wonderful to see a smile upon a child's face. 
And it's always wonderful to see a child get what they want off of their list. But you see, I'm not a child anymore, and neither are you. And I believe that as we get older, our list should change. What is on your list this morning? Is your list to have a healthy family? Is your list to have a healthy marriage? Is your list to be financially debt-free? That would be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it? Is your list to have more peace of mind? Or maybe more joy? Or maybe your children are not serving the Lord and that's on your list. You see, my friends, all of us have a list this morning. And that list is a plethora of things. Maybe it's different from mine, but we all have something on that list. And I believe that as we grow in the Lord, then our list should change. You see, now, when I was a child, I told you this last week, but when I was a child, I did really, really, really want something. I never got it, and I really wanted, do you remember what I said last week? I really wanted Scooby-Doo's mystery van. I never got that, and that's all right, because what is a mystery Scooby-Doo van going to do for me? Nothing. As I've gotten older, I realize that presents and bows and wrapping paper, it, don't solve, it, it doesn't solve the world's problems. There's more to life than gifts. I, I think I, my list has grown because I desire healthy families. And on my list this morning, I desire a church that loves God, on fire for God. I desire a church that's discipled. I desire a church that want more of the presence of the Lord. I desire a church that has healthy marriages and healthy families. I desire a church where parents are raising children in the instruction and principles and precepts of the Word of God. I desire a church where people are transformed in body, soul, and spirit. I, my list has changed. What about you this morning? I'm sure you have a list this morning. Whether it's written or whether it's unwritten, we all have a list. You see, I said last week, there's going to be four things on my Christmas list. And each week, I'm going to talk about one of them. If I had to write a Christmas list for you as your pastor, if I had to write a list as your pastor this morning, that I really want you to remember, that I don't want you to forget, there's four things. Last week, I said I want you to remember that sometimes life's greatest blessings come unexpectedly. Do you remember that? That's the very first thing that I want you to remember, that sometimes life's greatest blessings happens unexpectedly. Now, I know that's not shouting territory to you this morning, and it may not even mean anything, but if you look at the Christmas story, everything about the Christmas story happened unexpectedly. They were hoping for a political leader they were hoping for a leader to overthrow the Roman government, but they, ha they, they missed Christmas because Jesus came as a baby. It happened unexpectedly. Elizabeth became pregnant unexpectedly. Mary had a visit from the angel unexpectedly. You see, the wise men had a visit unexpectedly. The shepherds on the Judean hillside had a visit from an angelic host 
unexpectedly. The Christmas story is about the unexpected. And I believe that as Christians this morning, those who have put our faith in Christ and Christ alone, we need to be aware that things happen unexpectedly in our life. And we should never disregard those things. Those things that have happened to us that is unexpected, sometimes that is God working in our life. And sometimes we got to stop and realize that the things that happen in our life, sometimes it's God working, and sometimes God works unexpectedly. Nobody thought a king should be a baby or should be born in a manger. A king should be in a palace. That was unexpectedly. That was unexpected. But you see, if Mary and Joseph and those shepherds, all they needed to do was to bend down and wipe the hay off of his face, they would see that God was born in the middle of their mess. That sometimes you've got to pay attention to the things that happen unexpectedly in your life. Don't write them off, but ponder those things that happen unexpectedly. Because it could be God making a way where there's no way. It could be God making a detour in your life. It could be God speaking to you. Because sometimes we are prone to think that God only speaks a certain way. So if there's one thing on the Christmas list I want you to know, I want you to know that life's greatest blessings sometimes happens unexpectedly. Number two, I want you to know today, and as I focus on number two, the second thing on the list this morning. The second thing I want you to know on my grown-up Christmas list is this. There are reasons to be afraid, but you have greater reasons not to be afraid. You see? Number two, I want you to know this. On the grown-up Christmas list, if there's something that I really, really want you to know, I want you to remember this on the list, that there are reasons to be afraid in life, but you have greater reasons not to be afraid. I want you to get that in your spirit. I want you to get that in your heart. I want you to ponder those words this morning. There are reasons to be afraid in life, but you have greater reasons not to be afraid. I want you to remember, as I put this, on our grown-up Christmas list. It's interesting in the Christmas story, you will hear a statement over and over and over again. Now, for the sake of time, I just want you to pay attention to the screen behind me, and I want you to see a phrase that happens over and over in the book of Luke and Matthew. This phrase, these words, appear over and over in the Christmas story. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, in verse number 13, I want you to see this. In the Christmas story, Zacharias and Elizabeth is in the Christmas story. This is Mary's family. And the Bible says in Luke 1, verse 13, the angel said to him, Zacharias, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will call his name John. I want you to notice the phrase in that passage, do not be afraid, Zacharias. Do not be afraid, Zacharias. I want you to pay attention to Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 30. 
This is also in the Christmas story, and this is speaking of the Virgin Mary, where the angel appeared unto her. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 1 and verse number 30, and I quote, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I want you also to notice in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 10, this is the Christmas story. These are the shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the scripture tells us the angel came. Angels, an angel, an angelic host came. And this is what their words were to the shepherds. Luke chapter 10, verse 10, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. One last scripture. Matthew chapter number 1 also tells us the story of the birth of Jesus. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're Gospels, and there's a couple of them that shares the birth of Jesus. And Matthew shares the birth of Jesus as well. In Matthew chapter number 1 and verse number 18, I want you to see this. Now, this is the birth of Jesus Christ. It was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, for the sake of time, I only read four scriptures to you in the Christmas story. And all four of those scriptures indicate to us that we should not be afraid. Now, there are other scriptures that mention in the Christmas story that we shouldn't be afraid. But for the sake of time, I've only mentioned four scriptures. In Luke chapter 1, verse 13, Zacharias, don't be afraid. Luke chapter 1, verse 30, Mary, don't be afraid. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angel shed, said to the shepherds, don't be afraid. And in Matthew chapter number 1 and verse number 18, the angel said to Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Do you see in the passage this morning, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. This is a reoccurring statement in the Christmas story. And my friends, if this is a reoccurring statement in the Christmas story, then you and I should pay attention to why it is there. In fact, in the Bible, you will see phrases like, do not be anxious, be at peace, don't be afraid. You will see those words in the Bible. Don't be anxious, be at peace, fear not, do not be afraid. You see that throughout the Scriptures over and over and over again. Now, I'm not sure how many times it shows up, but I do know in the King James translation, do not be afraid or, uh, or, or fear not is listed at least 71 times in the Bible. Now, whether it's listed one time or several times, it's a good indication for us to pay attention because it is God's holy word. Do not be afraid. Don't be anxious. Be at peace. Those are reoccurring themes 
throughout the Bible. And even in the Christmas story, you will find those statements, be, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And my friends, if there was ever a time that you and I need to pay attention to this, it is now. Throughout the last couple years, we have experienced heartache. We have experienced loss. Not only you and I, but the world has experienced loss. I just came from a funeral a few days ago. I traveled back to West Virginia to go to a funeral. My, uh, my Aunt Cammie, her father, who was a pastor for 46-some years, he died at 78 years old of COVID. We went to, I went to his funeral, and I sat there thinking, uh, you know, how much loss people have experienced in the last two years. But as we sat there in the funeral, we celebrated his life, and there was great joy of what this man had accomplished in ministry and the inspiration that he's caused throughout the community. It was a great celebration of a great man. And the reason that we could sit there with smiles on our face, even though they had tears in their eyes, is because as Christians, we have a Christian worldview. We look at things differently. We have a different perspective. And we know as Christians that death is not the final thing. Death is just a page in the book. All we need to do is flip the page and the story will continue. Death is not the final thing. Death is just a hello to a new beginning. Can I hear an amen? Our perception has changed. And those who do not have Jesus, those who do not understand that, will weep and mourn differently than you and I. Now let me say this, my friends. Death hurts. Loss hurts. I am by no means undermining that. It really does hurt because relationships are important. And when somebody passes away, there's fear. There's uncertainty. It hurts. I've lost people in my own life. It does hurt. But I have to remind myself of what the Scripture says because it is in the Scriptures, it is in the Word of God that I find my hope and my restoration and my security it is in the scriptures that I find peace of mind and peace of heart. I know that within myself, I can never find peace. I know that within myself, I can never figure it out. And that is why I've got to run to the scriptures. And I've got to go to the tower that's much stronger than I am. Aren't you grateful and thankful that in perilous times, we have somebody to run to? In uncertain times, we have somebody to run to. Can I hear an amen? You see, over and over in the Scriptures, it tells us, do not be afraid. As I was studying this message, I discovered that usually there are four basic fears in humanity. I want to list them very briefly to you this morning. Usually, people are fearful of four things. And if you have other fears, they usually will fall under these categories. People will usually have the fear of loss, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, and the fear of unknown. These are the basic fears of humanity. I want you to think a few moments, and I want you to put yourself in those categories. Which slot do you fit in? Are you fearful of loss this morning? Maybe you lost family members. Maybe somebody died of cancer, and this morning you have fear that maybe you too will die of it. Maybe you too think it's hereditary. Maybe you're plagued with fear that maybe I'll go out that way. Maybe some of you have the fear of failure. You didn't do good in school. 
You, didn't, you, you were rejected in school. You didn't feel accepted by your teachers or your peers. You did poorly in school, so therefore you have fear of moving forward in life. Maybe you have a desire to complete more education, but because of your past, because of the fear of your past, you, have, you cannot move forward. What about the fear of rejection? Maybe you were rejected as a child by the people that said they loved you. Maybe by the people that said they would walk with you and protect you. Maybe, maybe you were rejected by the closest people to you. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was parents. But you had the fear of moving forward in life. Sometimes I realize, church, is this, is that sometimes you've got to move forward even when you don't have the closure of the past. Sometimes you've got to make a decision that I'm going to move forward even though there is no closure about that situation. It's hard. It's heart-wrenching. Sometimes it just pulls everything out of you. But you've got to make a decision that in spite of hell and high water, I'm going to move forward because the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. I said the best is yet to come. Maybe it's the fear of the unknown. You don't know what the future holds. Maybe it's the fear that your child would get sick. And sometimes those are legit fears. And we're plagued with it. And sometimes when we're plagued with those fears, we got to understand something. It's okay to admit that we're struggling. I think sometimes in church, we want to put the face on and say, I'm not struggling. I don't have any fears. I'm blessed. Nothing's bothering me. Well, Pastor Josh just wants to be real with you this morning. And I want to tell you that at some time in your life, you're either headed to a battle, you're either in a battle, or you're coming out of a battle. And that's why all of us need to show grace to one another. Can I hear an amen? We all need to show grace to one another. We're either in it, where we're going in it, or we're coming out of it. But all of us have experienced heartache, trials, tribulation, loss, fear, rejection. We've all experienced it, including myself. But I want to let you know that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I want you to know that God is not a debtor to no man. I want you to know that if you serve God with all of your heart, that God will make up the loss in your life. I want you to know it's good to serve God. I want you to know it's better to serve God. I want you to know it's better to serve God even in your struggle, even in your heartache, even in your misunderstanding. It's better to serve God in it than to walk away from Him. So this morning, if you're struggling with fear, you're struggling with rejection, you're struggling with secret sins, I encourage you to come to church. And if you've got to come to the altar every time you come, then you come every time you can come because it's better to struggle in the house of God than to struggle outside of the house of God. Is there anybody in the building that could just stand to your feet and say, Pastor, I'm going to struggle with you. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to press through. I'm going to pray through. I'm going to believe through. I am. Yes. Yes. It's real. Listen to me. Loss is real. Fear is real. Rejection is real. But look at Pastor this morning. Look at me. Let's do it together. Let's, let's cry together. 
You say, Pastor, I'm mad at God. Come to church and tell me how mad you are at God. I'd rather you be here than in the world. If you don't understand it, I want you to come. Let's, let's cry together. Let's be confused together. Let's scratch our heads together. Don't do it alone. Let's do it together. You see, why do you think we are a fearful people? Experiences have taught us to be fearful. Loss has taught us to be fearful. Do you know what I believe the number one main component that causes us to be fearful? When we lose a sense of control, we become fearful. I want you to think about tragedy and loss and rejection. Most of that happens unexpectedly, and it causes us to be insecure, and it causes us to lose control of our life. And anytime we feel like we have lost control of our life, we become fearful of the unknown, which is understandable. I want you to be encouraged because if you feel that way, you are in great company this morning. Some of the greatest people in the Bible were fearful. What about Peter, the apostle Peter? The Bible says he was a man who got out of his boat and walked on the water. But as he walked on the water, he saw the waves and the wind, and he began to sink. And Jesus came walking on the water, and he reached down his hand and picked Peter up. Told Peter, do not be afraid, Peter. Only believe. You see, I love Peter. Before you all crucify Peter this morning, I'd rather be a water walker than a boat talker. I'm glad he got out of the boat. I'm glad he got out of the boat. I'm glad he decided that he was going to be a man of courage and get out of the boat and walk. And if I want to let y'all know today, you say, Pastor, I want to go back to school. Go back to school. What if I fail? So what? Take the test again. Take the class again. But refuse to be a statistic. Refuse to sink. And even if you do sink, yell as loud as you can yell so Jesus can pick you up and pull you out of the water. But never give up. Never give up. Sometimes we fear fearful because we feel like we lose control. You see, Peter was fearful. What about the disciples? Over and over, Jesus rebuked the disciples for having fear. Or calling, he called them faithless. Oh, faithless generation. You see, what about Elijah? Elijah called fire down from Mount Carmel, but yet he ran and sat under a tree and was afraid of Jezebel. Some of the greatest men in the Bible had a problem with fear, and I want to encourage you that you're in great company if you feel fearful this morning. I, I just want to stop just for a few moments and say this to you, and I want this to get in your spirit. The Lord is saying to you today, by the way of his servant, do not be afraid in this pandemic. God is with us. If he was with you before, he's going to be with you now. 
Listen to pastor as I proclaim the word of God to you today. God is with us. And even as we are waiting, and it seems like God is a million miles away, I'm telling you, God is among us. He is working as I wait. He's a God that never fails. God is saying this to you this morning. I brought you out, and I'm going to bring you in. You're going to make it to the other side. He didn't teach you how to swim to let you drown. He didn't bring you this far to lose you. It doesn't matter how much you have to go through. The fact is, you're going through. You're going through. Can I say this? I'm almost done. But I want to encourage you before I walk off of this stage today. I want to let you know that God is with us. God is for us. And God shall always be with us. You say, well, pastor, I want a, I want a flowery sermon. All i got to tell you is the same thing he told the prophets. Do not be afraid. I am with you. It's the same thing he told the disciples. I am with you always, even until the end of the world. You see, God is with us. Let us put our faith in God this morning. Let us not put our faith in the government. Let us not put our faith in the school system. Let us not put faith in our own ideas and our own agenda and our own thoughts. Let us put our faith in God. Let us put our faith in God. Let us put our faith in God. The God who can deliver His people from the land of Egypt. That's the God. The God who can roll back the waters of the Red Sea. That's the God I'm talking about. The God that causes water to come from a rock. That's the God I'm speaking about. The God that causes water to come down from heaven. The God that causes the sun to stand still for Joshua. The God who causes barren women to sing. The God who turns our weeping into joy. The God who raises dead things back up to life again. The God who brings sight to the blind. The God who drives out the devils and sets people free. The God who regulates our minds, breaks the burdens and lifts the yoke. The God who walks upon the winds and the waves of life. The God who can take a little boy's lunch and feed a multitude. The God who never gives up on us. I don't know the God that you serve this morning, but we serve a God who will never leave us nor forsake us. We serve a God that will fight for us. We serve a God that will stand for us. We serve a God that will speak for us. There is no reason for us to be afraid when God is for us. David said in Psalm chapter 37 verse 24, he said, I have been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. God's seed Begging for bread. Hallelujah. I just want to stop up in this Pentecostal church this morning because I can't preach any further until I give God praise. I look back on, I can't talk about you. I got to talk about me. I look back on my life. I don't even know how I got where I'm at. I want to thank Him 
I want to thank him for being my mama and my daddy. I want to thank you for bringing me through. I want to thank you for keeping my mind straight, my heart straight. I want to thank you for keeping me off the streets. I want to thank you for healing me and delivering me. I thank you. There was no reason I should have been afraid. When I look back over my life, I see your hand working. Why was I afraid? Why did I put so much thought in being afraid when I look back and see what God has done? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can somebody lift your hands and bless the Lord this morning? Come on, somebody lift your hands and just bless him out of your spirit this morning. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God said to Joshua, God said to Joshua in chapter number 1, verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and be of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. David said in Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation. Of whom? shall I fear. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Even the apostle said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, the apostle said it very clearly, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. Even the prophet said in Isaiah 43 and verse number 2. Isaiah 43 and verse number 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Neither shall the flame scorch you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I want to let you know today that every opportunity to fear is an opportunity to trust. Some of you are praying, Lord, make me strong. Lord, make me close to you. And the Lord is saying, I'm trying to do it, but you're bucking the system because you complain every time an unexpected thing happens to you. Every opportunity to fear is an opportunity to trust. And every time we are afraid... We must see it as an opportunity to place it into God's hands. That's why David said in Psalm 56 and verse 3, David said, whenever I am afraid, I will trust you. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? As I close today, I've tried diligently to give myself to the Scriptures. That's the only thing that has preserved my life. It's the only thing. People's words will cut you. People will reject you. People will backstab you. The closest people to you may even hurt you and walk out of your life. The Scriptures has become a wellspring of life. In my deepest, darkest moments of my life, where I felt like I could never go on, I opened the Scriptures, and it gave me the strength to take another step. 
That's why I've asked you at this fourfold challenge. We're almost done with the year. I've asked you to read the New Testament this year. I've asked you to get the Bible in you. I've asked you, if you don't like to read, listen to it, to it on your phone. But it does something to you. It brings life to you. And as I've read the Scriptures, I didn't, I didn't notice the Scripture before. But I turned to the end of the book. And the Bible says in Revelation 21, verse 8. I'm not sure if they could find it. Yes, thank you so much, Nicole. But even at the end of the book, God don't want you to live a fearful life. He says those who are cowards, those who are unbelieving, murderers, sexually immoral, immoral, sorcerers, all liars shall have their place in the lake of fire. I'm sure, I'm sure in the context of this scripture, it's not saying that just because you're fearful, you'll go to hell. That's not what it's saying. But I just want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention to the principle. God would rather you take a risk and do it fearful than to live a life full of fear. He'd rather you take a step and live a life of risk than to live a life full of fear. What about it, my friends? I've chose today chosen today not to live a life that's fearful, but to live a life that will trust the Lord. In closing, listen to these words, Psalms 56 verse 3. I just read it to you. David said, wherever I'm afraid, I will trust you. In God, I will put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me.